I don't think you would know the name Edwin Land. Not many of you would know that name anyway. Edwin Land, although you would be very aware of what he's done, what he has produced, Edwin Land is one of the most prolific inventors in American history. He holds over 500 patents. In 1943, he was taking a very much needed vacation with his family across the country. They stopped at the Grand Canyon, there at that beautiful scenic overlook. Some of you have been there, you've seen it. And Edwin Land propped his, plopped his little three-year-old daughter there in front of the scenic overlook. He backed up, got his little camera out, and took a picture. And his three-year-old daughter came running up to him and said, Daddy, show me the picture, show me the picture. And at three years old, he's trying to explain to her that's not how cameras work. You have to send the film off to a lab and they'll mail you back the prints later. We can't see it right now. But I want to see the picture now. And Edwin Land, being an inventor, he stopped and thought, well, why couldn't you see a picture now? Why couldn't a camera be made that would not only take the picture, but develop the picture and you could instantly see it? And he began to puzzle that around in his mind, and it took five years, five years very often being locked in his, in his lab all night long, five years of going without meals for days, but five years driven by this question from a three-year-old little girl who, who had the imagination to ask, why couldn't something that's never been seen be done? Five years, not only of wanting to produce something to show her it could be done, but five years of wanting to bring her joy. It took five years. But Edwin Land eventually developed what we know today as the Land Camera, also known as the Polaroid Camera. 21 years ago this weekend, Kansas Christian Church was without a preacher, and they asked me to come just fill in for a Sunday and I said, okay, I'll show up for one Sunday. And the elders say, we want to talk to you when you're done. I'm like, okay, that's fine. But I started my sermon with that story about Edwin Land and his desire to produce something that had never been seen before. 21 years ago, I began my sermon with that story. And the elders talked to me afterwards and asked if I could come just for a six-month interim ministry, just until they found a preacher. And I said, okay, but just, just six months, that's all. And I can't come yet, because my wife is about to have a baby. So after the baby's born, then I will come. So the next Sunday, we went back to the Kemp Church of Christ, where I was serving as the associate. Went back to the Kemp Church, and I told them, I'm going to be gone for just six months. And then I'll be back. They're just wanting me to fill in for six months. And they blessed me and said, we'll see you in six months. The following Thursday, Connor was born. And the following Sunday, the five Hammonds were here in the church. And we've been here ever since. It's the longest six months I've ever lived through. But also the greatest six months. Now I do not have the ingenuity or the perseverance of a Edwin Land to struggle and produce something that's never been done before. But I believe what we have together is greater than any of those 500 inventions that Edwin Land produced in his lifetime. We have a God who longs to do more than we've ever considered. A God who loves to show up and do things that we haven't even imagined yet. And we have a God who loves for us to pray. And so today... In the interest of showing you that I don't have the ingenuity to produce something that we've never done before, I'm taking you back to that same text I preached 
21 years ago this weekend to the same text, slightly different sermon. But I want you to hear the promises of a God who loves to answer prayers, who encourages us as a church and as individuals. He encourages us always to pray a prayer that is bigger than you. Ephesians chapter 3, just two verses, 20 and 21, page 977 if you're following along in those blue Bibles. If you've got the Bible app on your phone, we didn't have that 21 years ago, but if you've got that on your phone, you can follow along on the Bible app also. Ephesians 3, beginning in verse 20. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think according to the power at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. You listen to that prayer. You realize you have permission to pray a prayer like that? You have permission to pray a prayer like that? Do you realize that you have permission to ask in a prayer something bigger than you think you know how to ask? You have permission to pray a prayer that is bigger than you can ask. You notice how verse 20 starts. To Him who is able... Well, if it's Him who is able, then who is not able? You, me, us, together. We are not able. We can't do this on our own. It's not by our own power. It's not by our own intelligence. It's not by our own resources. It's not by our own finances. This prayer calls us to look beyond ourselves, beyond what we can do, even what we can do together. That's the kind of prayer that we all need right now. And I think you're all aware that's a prayer that that we need to be praying for this church, (laughs) be praying for our family right now. We're asking for something that's bigger than we can do on our own. I've been praying that kind of prayer for a few months as I've been considering the possibility of pulling up my family from the town where I've raised them for 21 years, a town of 650 people now, with one blinky stoplight, and taking them to the capital city of our fine state. (laughs) which has more stoplights and more cars and more people than i ever seen in a, in a single day. And I know some of you are feeling it too. It's been a long time since you've searched for a new preacher, hasn't it? A long time since you asked God to show up this way and surprise you. But this is not about your ingenuity. It's not about your inventiveness or your resources. This is about a big prayer to a big God. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. 21 years ago. 21 years and nine months ago. I remember where I was. I was in my living room at the house we lived in in Oakland, and I was sitting there minding my own business, and Trish came home from work, and she had this look in her eyes, and I had seen that look before at least twice. And she said, hey, uh, something's happening. And I knew what that meant. And I looked at her and I said, not again. I thought we figured out what was causing that. You know, nip that in the bud, try to get that that taken. No, no. And I I considered right then the problem. I'm, I'm living in a house in Oakland that has two bedrooms and I've already got a family of four and I know this next one's gonna be a boy. What am I gonna do? And I prayed a prayer that day that I've prayed a few times in my life. I prayed and I said, Lord, I can't do this on my own. You're going to have to figure this out. 
I prayed that prayer when I went to college. First person in our family to go to college. And I prayed that prayer. Lord, I've, no one's done this. No one, no one in my family's done this. You're going to have to show me how this works. I don't know how this works. I prayed that prayer years later when I was running from, from well, our parking lot over to Lynn Dennison's house back here. The house our friends live in now. Running there while the church was burning down and I was praying, Lord, I've never done this before. I don't know how to be the preacher that gets people through a fire. You're going to have to show me how this works because I don't know how this is done. And I'll tell you this, every time I've prayed that prayer, God has proven Himself to me. When I tell God what I can't do, He shows up. And He shows me what He can do to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. Now when I read that Scripture 21 years ago, I was reading it from the old NIV Bible, the New International Version, which for my generation, Donna, for my generation, the NIV was our King James. That's the version that we hear it in our heads with. We, we don't hear the these and the thous, but we hear the old NIV whenever we think about a Bible verse because that's how we first learned it. And I loved how the old NIV put it. Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. Right. I miss the word imagine. I love what Eugene Peterson did with this verse and his little paraphrase called, called the message. He paraphrases it this way. God can do anything, you know. Far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. We would have to confess some of our prayers are way too easy. Some of our prayers sound way too easy. You don't even need God to show up for the vast majority of your prayers. You think about the things that we pray for all the time. Lord, help me find a parking spot. I need a good parking spot today, Lord. I need something really up, up, up really close. Lord, help me with this headache. I need to get rid of this headache. Lord, help us get the crops in. I know you love the Lord, and I know you love to pray those prayers, but you barely need God to show up for those prayers. You need dumb luck, Advil, and a combine, and you can get those prayers answered yourself. You don't even have to bother God with those. What happens when we pray a prayer that stretches our faith? What happens when we pray a prayer that's bigger than us? What happens when you pray a prayer that's bigger than you? Pray a prayer that's bigger than you can ask, but also pray a prayer that's bigger than we can accomplish. Bigger than we can accomplish. It's really hard to see it in the English, but Paul actually squeezes the word power three times into verse 20. Three times he uses the word power. If we were to read this in the Greek, it would look more like this. To him who has the power to do more than we can ask or think according to the power that is powering us. Do you think he wants us to get that? Do you think he wants us to see that? The power that's powering us? Paul's saying, guys, this is bigger than you. It's bigger than me. We're not going to get this done on our own, but don't give up hope. Don't lose hope. Trust in the One whose power is powering you. Now to Him who, has the, who, to, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the talent of our preacher. You're in trouble, whether it's this one or the next one. You're in trouble. Now to Him who, ha who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think according to the dedication of our pulpit search committee. I love you guys. I'm so glad you're doing that. But no, that's not your hope. To Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the bottom line of our bank account, that's not going to get you far enough. None of those fuel our prayers. None of those can be our hope. None of those are worthy of a God who brings our imagination 
into existence. Prayer cannot be about what we can accomplish no more than it can be about what we can imagine. Our prayers need to be bigger than that. More than that. They need to outlive us. Your prayers need to outlive you. I know, I know you pray for your kids. And I know you pray for your grandkids. Do you ever stop and think about how your prayers will outlive you? Do you ever stop and ask, will my prayer, will this prayer I'm praying today, will it outlive me? Or are my prayers just about what I need? Are my prayers just for, just for me? Are they just about what I can imagine for myself? Will my prayers benefit and bless the next generation? Will my prayers still be getting answered in a hundred years from now? Long after my name's been forgotten, long after your name's been forgotten, will our prayers still be getting answered? May 5th, 2013 was a Sunday. May 5th, 2013, we gathered for worship over at the old grade school down at the TLC just like we had every Sunday for, for months, for, for over a year. We'd gather there you know, while we were waiting for the building to be built, while we were making those plans and changing things and getting things ready. But May 5th, 2013, we were excited and we had an announcement to make because the organ in Clavinova had already been delivered and they had been hooked up. And so we wrapped up worship a little early and, they, and we said, if you want to, drive on over to the church building. We're going to sit and listen and Donna and Shirley are going to play a couple of songs for us. And it was beautiful, as always. You, you did a wonderful, wonderful job. We had a couple of worship songs. Everybody was pleased. And I closed with these words. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power of at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. We came through a fire. We came through a rebuild. We've come through a pandemic. We've come through unrest in our nation. A lot of unrest in our community. We've come through those times with prayer. Your prayers and my prayers and the prayers of those that went before us do you ever stop and think about the prayers of those that went before us? You, some of your parents. Your grandparents. Do you ever stop and think about the prayers of Joe Harmon that are still getting answered in this church? I mean, Joe didn't live to see the fire and Joe didn't live to see the rebuild. But I know he prayed about this building and I'm afraid he probably prayed about the fire too. I think Joe probably prayed for a fire sooner or later and that we'd get a new building. I know that Joe's prayers are still getting answered. I'm wearing a tie today. I don't do that very often, but Iva Spies gave me this tie. It says Amazing Grace. It's got the words to Amazing Grace all over it. I know Iva Spies prayed and prayed for the missions outreach of this church, that this church would be used to, to send missionaries and support missionaries. And I look at the missions work that we're doing as a church right now, and I know that Iva Spies' prayers are still getting answered. I'm wearing Jim Eckerd's tie clasp today he wanted me to have this and i think about jim with the day that we first met at the we, it wasn't even a sunday a bunch of us went down to look over the the uh the grade school and to see if we could if we could pull this off if we could have have worship there and jim eckard pulled me aside and he said you know whatever we end up building it might get built i might be gone before it gets built i might be long gone i'm not built we're not building this for me we're building this for a generation that's not even here yet. 
And Jim saw that. He, he was that forward thinking and he saw that. And I remember that prayer of his. Thankfully, he did get to see this building, but, but he knew he wasn't building it. We weren't building it for him, for his generation. I'm wearing blue jeans today. So I was getting ready to leave the church or leave home. Trish said, yeah, you're looking nice. Then you're wearing jeans? I said, there's a reason I'm wearing jeans. I'm wearing these jeans for Peggy Decker. I think Danita and Bill are still with us, hopefully online. But I'm wearing these jeans for Peggy Decker because Peggy Decker is the one that said to me, you need to start wearing blue jeans to church. And I said, why? I, I, like, you know, I like to dress up. I like to look a little bit more professional. She says, no, no, no. You're scaring the young men away. If you keep showing up dressed in a suit and tie, you're going to scare the young men away and we can't have that. You have to start wearing blue jeans. I went out that week and I bought some really nice blue jeans. Because Peggy told me I had to start wearing blue jeans. I think about those prayers that are still getting answered, but can you imagine the generations in the future? Generations that knew what got us through all of our difficulties and our challenges. Can you imagine generations in the future that look back and say, do you know what this is? This is about the prayers that Donna was praying. That's why this is happening. This is, this is because of Diana's prayers, Joy's prayers. This is because of Danny's prayers and Cindy's prayers. This is because of Bob and Marietta's prayers and the prayers of so many others. Those prayers are still getting answered today because we're, we're making it through these things because the challenge is ahead of you because with the challenges ahead of you, pray something that's bigger than what we can accomplish. Pray a prayer that's bigger than you. And if we do that, we're also going to find out that we're praying a prayer that is deeper than we can love on our own. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. 21 years ago this weekend, I preached this text and I started out talking about Edwin Land, the inventor of the Land camera, the Polaroid camera, a camera that would instantly develop photos. You could look at them instantly, except it wasn't really instantly because it took a little while. And even though they told you you didn't have to, you know you had to stand there and shake it like a Polaroid picture, right? And there's a whole generation of young people with us. There's a, there are young people with us today who are thinking right now, what do you mean you couldn't look at the picture instantly? And what's a Polaroid camera? I, I bought my, my first Polaroid camera film, I bought it at Cook's Hardware, if that tells you anything. <clears throat> but there's a whole generation with us today that's like, what do you mean? What do you mean you had to wait? What do you mean a Polaroid camera? What do you mean you had to do all of those things? You had to mail film off? You had to wait for the prints to come back? Why did you print them? Why didn't you just look at them on your phone like we do? 21 years ago, digital cameras were new and exciting, but now they're everywhere. And when was the last time you saw a Polaroid? This world, this world is not the same world it was the last time you looked for a preacher. This world has changed. There are new challenges. There are new experiences. And there are people asking new questions about life and faith an identity that you never thought about asking 21 years ago. And there are things that frustrate you today that didn't exist 21 years ago. There are things that make you angry that weren't even on the horizon 21 years ago. But I want you to notice Paul's prayer is not, I want things to go back to the way they were. Paul's prayer is not, I want things to stay the same because that is not more than you can ask, think, or imagine. And it's not the point. 
But also, you need to notice what Paul does pray for. Now, I've told you many times that the chapter divisions and the verses aren't there in the original text. Paul did not write with chapters in mind. And so, that division between the end of chapter 3 and the beginning of chapter 4, it's, it's false. It's, it's artificial. It's not really there. And so Paul just gets done praying this prayer that God would do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think according to the power at work within us and to Him be glory in the church and in Christ. And then what does Paul pray for? I therefore, chapter 4, verse 1, I therefore, therefore, he's following up his prayer. I therefore, as a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Paul's prayer was for a church full of people who would love one another. A church full of people who lived out their faith, who treated each other with humility and gentleness, who were patient with those who were patient with those who were not quite there yet. But no matter what they were going through, they were going to bear with one another in love. That was bigger than Paul could imagine. It was more than he could ask for, and yet he asked it. Paul's prayer for the love that they had for each other was fueled by the power of God. That love was fueled by God's power. Power that powers us. If someone ever asks, 21 years, what did he talk about all the time? 21 years, what was his message? What did he preach about for 21 years? If you, if you remember nothing else, I think it would be wonderful if someone ever asks you, what did Brett preach about? I think I'd want you to say, he told us to be kind to one another. He said that almost every week. Be kind to one another. Just be kind to people. He would say, it is chaos in this world. This world is full of chaos. Just be kind. Just be kind. And I think that would be enough to let Him who is able to do far more abundantly than we can ask or think or love. And to let that love, that through our love and kindness, God would be glorified because this is a prayer that's bigger than you, bigger than me. It's bigger than us. So 21 years ago, the elders asked me to come preach. And they said they wanted to talk to me after worship. We went off to that little room off from the side of the old auditorium, the little library room where your dad recorded all of those attendance figures all those years. I'm pointing exactly to where that room was, by the way. I know exactly where. I could walk right to it right now. And I met with those three elders in that little library room, and I've got to tell you something. They could not even look me in the eye that Sunday. Their heads were hung low. They felt like they had failed. And they had not failed. You had not. You didn't fail. You haven't failed. They asked me to come just for a six-month interim ministry, and I said, yeah, I can do that, but just six months. And here we are, 21 years later. You think about all we've seen. You think about all those that we've loved, and you think about those that we've lost. And you have been so kind to our family. When I started preaching here, I, I didn't know what autism was. You were with us through painful diagnoses. You were with us through therapies. You have been with us through the challenges of faith and family. You have been through us, with us through the fire. 
And through it all, we have prayed a lot of prayers together. And every one of those prayers has been to the God who points us ahead to new possibilities. And so that prayer that we started with 21 years ago is not the prayer we end with, but the prayer we continue with. To Him who is able, to the One who is always able, when our strength fails, when our wits fail, when our resources fail us, to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we could ask or think or imagine, to Him who has reserved blessings for us that we have not even considered asking for yet. To Him be glory. Always glory. In the church. In you and me. In the lives that we touch. In the communities that we touch. The communities we love. And in the church. And in Jesus Christ throughout all generations. Even generations yet unborn. Even generations yet unknown to us. But people who will know Him because of you. Because of your dedication. Glory to Him forever and ever. Forever and ever. Meaning one day... We will gather again with friends that we've sent on ahead of us and with those that we've not yet met, and we will give Him glory. And we will do that together forever. Amen.